So hello and welcome to the first of a two-part episode of the 2020 season of the Shiny Side Up podcast, dedicated to improved production racing around Australia and hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This episode was recorded on the 15th of July 2020. In tonight's episode, Mick and I are joined by IPRA Queensland Committee President Drew Lawrence to discuss the process around the postponement and rescheduling of the 2020-2021 Nationals at Morgan Park in Queensland. IP Queensland drew the short straw and have had the exceedingly difficult task of navigating the Nationals during COVID-19, and Drew gives us an inside look at how the difficult decision to postpone this year's Nationals to 2021 was made. In part two, which will be coming up soon, we'll talk some more to Drew about his history in the category and his exciting new S15 Overs build coming soon to a track near you. Thanks to Drew and to all our listeners out there for your ongoing support. Don't forget to subscribe on Facebook and in your podcast app for future episodes. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shiny Side Up podcast. I'm Chris White. Joining me again, as always, Mick Hazelton. How are you doing, Mick? I'm great, thank you. It's good that we're having another another session so quickly, which is good to... Well, it's fresh and we feel like we know what we're doing again and can get into some good conversation with our special guest. So you feel like you know what you're doing. Well, that makes one of us. Uh, and also <laughs> joining us tonight, Drew Lawrence from Queensland. Drew, thanks for joining us, mate, and thanks for your time tonight. How are you doing? G'day, guys. Look, it's an absolute um, um, pleasure to, to be on the show. Um, love it. Huge fan and um, have wanted to get on here for quite a while and, and talk to you guys. Well, mate, we're happy to have you, and thanks thanks again for your time. And, yeah, look, a lot of things to discuss. But before we do, uh, as always, I'd like to call out the IPRA New South Wales sponsors, Yokohama, Ravenol, Aussie Hire, Faber Competition Parts, Midas, Autocraze, and Bring It Digital. In homage to my new state of South Australia, the IPRA South Australia sponsors Tyre Power Kensington Park, Autosport.com.au, Andraos Auto, Ministry of Beer, again, my favourite IP sponsor in Australia, TRP Ductwork, and Lamination System Australia's Lamination Specialists. And also, and this is going to get a mouthful every time we do it now, three states, introduce and thank the IP sponsors for Queensland. So that's motorsportsales.com, Midas, Grimo's Garage, Warwick Douglas Constructions, MCA Suspension. No beer sponsor, though, Drew. You're no, t- I just saw, yeah, there's a trend there at the moment, isn't there? We're, uh, we're not holding up our end there at the moment. We need to work on that. Still time. But, uh, look, once again, thank you to all those sponsors who support our category and help us do what we love. Thank you for supporting us, uh, supporting the races and supporting the volunteers who support our category. So thank you to those sponsors. Before we get into any discussion around Drew and IPRA Queensland, a couple of items of news I'd like to discuss, fellas. Uh, firstly, we did have one race meeting since our last episode uh, and that was the Tanda Cup in West Australia. Disappointing small field but I guess you know again those are the times we live in. Steve Turpin wins. Some interesting happenings. Um, Dom Coniglio in his uh, Evo probably not much of a surprise was very quick out of the box out there into the threes uh, and was evidently uh, at least early in the weekend the uh, the pace setter but then had some sort of a fire, and I'm not entirely sure what caused it, but um, I did see 
vision on Facebook of the back of his car on fire. It looks like they managed to extinguish it and uh, and uh, Dom got out okay, but um, there is definitely some damage to the car. So, Dom, hope you are okay. I hope the car isn't too badly damaged and uh, that we can get it back on track shortly. Um, yeah, Drew, you didn't hear anything about what happened over in West Australia last weekend? No, just like yourself, mate, just the issue with the, the fire, which is always horrible in our, in our category. It's the worst form of damage you can really do, so, um, yeah. Anyway, so hope everything's okay, Dom. But well done to Steve Turpin uh, in the Commodore. You still have to win it, and uh, and he did. So well done to Steve. So I guess also the Nationals. Now, Drew, we've mentioned uh, on a recent episode that obviously IPRA Queensland was forced to take that difficult decision to uh, postpone the Nationals to 2021. Uh, and I know we've discussed in the past some of the reasoning behind that, uh, given that, you know, it is obviously now and we've seen with the developing situation with COVID pretty clear that that was the right decision. Maybe uh, you'd be so kind as to talk us through and talk our listeners through the the reasoning and the process followed by IPRA Queensland, both in, in terms of the decision to postpone, but also in terms of, you know, your thoughts and expectations and, and plans for for rescheduling that uh, event in 2021. Sure. Yeah. Um, obviously an extremely um, difficult decision and in very difficult circumstances. I'll probably preface all of this by saying that uh, we were very, very prepared. Um, uh, the Queensland Committee and the club actually um, pride ourselves on on running the Nationals. It's actually something that we, um, we take to heart and put a lot of investment into. And over the years, I guess the club strive to deliver really great events, national events. And I guess we're quite proud of you know, introducing a number of innovations um, such as the top 10 shootout and first to hold an unders final and that sort of thing. And, you know, right. I guess we're always trying to... You guys try... were first to hold the unders final. Yep, it was our wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for my surprise, but I thought, you know, every day New South Wales would have been... No, that. no. So that's, that's, you, that's quite surprising. No, New South Wales held the first um, completely unders meeting. We, yep. um, we split overs and unders for the final with a bit of a, a split point score throughout combined heat racing. Um, yeah, so that was that was the last Nationals. But, um, yeah, so I guess that just sets the frame, the, the scene for sort of how important um, the event is to us and we're always trying to make it bigger and better and uh, not just the racing side of things, but also the social element of the event and, you know, it's quite important to Queensland. So um, we, were, we were very well prepared, to be quite honest, Um um, you guys have probably seen some of the promotional material that we put out and um, you know, had quite a lot of interest from from interstate competitors from every state and territory and um, it was shaping up to be a, to a great event. So I guess you've got this group of people that are, you know, highly motivated, um, well-planned and on the cusp of uh, of delivering, you know, what was going to be a great event, we think. And, um, you know, so on that basis, the whole situation was quite confrontational initially about um you know what do you mean about not running the nationals um <laughs> so uh yeah. yeah that that just was the outset of um uh that that decision making process i guess and you know that probably started at a committee level in yeah probably early march to be honest we started talking about it being a, a possibility and started investigating um you know options at that stage i guess so I was just going to say, I think it was a very wise idea because even though that you guys might have it covered locally and you've done all your work, 
it would be such a shame if you guys put on a stellar preparation and an event, but only 25 people could turn up. Borders were closed. People lost jobs. You know, like you didn't know what was going to happen in the world. And I applaud your decision to get it out fast and swift and efficiently and rip the band-aid off and disappoint everyone you know because I, I was looking forward to it and chris and i spoke and it was there was something that we were thinking i can't wait to get through this distressing times we're in and get the nationals you know underway but you were thinking well the whole queensland club i believe must have been thinking unselfishly and you're thinking about everyone and the whole event and your sponsors and would it be good for ipra nationally that's the way it was interpreted by me and many others. And I think, you know, hats off, well done. I think that was very professional and and I think we all appreciated how you did it as well. Yeah, you spot on there, Mick, obviously um, uh, that was taken into consideration and, and you know, the, the event was always going to be tarnished as the COVID nationals, you know, irrespective. So we were cognizant of that, um, but also... The decision-making process was very much around, um, you know, the nationals needs to have that representation from all states and territory um, in our mind. Um, so yeah, we we didn't want it to be dominated by a state or a territory, or so that was certainly um, part of the decision-making process. Um, but there, there was a lot of other uh, there's a lot of other stakeholders involved in all of that, and um, you know, obviously we had the you know, promoter cord. Um, other categories as well and what they were doing and um you know our own board motorsport australia and there's a heap of different people we were liaising with but um what what you said before about the timing was was quite interesting and that was something that um, um to be honest we could have done earlier or later but it was quite um quite intentional in in that regards as to when we did it um and it all comes down to, to levels of uncertainty and managing risk. But basically, you're caught between a balance between calling it off too early and, you know, possibly having a knee-jerk reaction to a situation that we didn't really know a whole lot about at that stage to, on the contrary, being too late with it and actually influencing competitors that have um, invested and invested money and time potentially with accommodation, those sort of things. And if you call it off, too late, then we potentially impact those guys as well, and uh, you know that. Then, and also, I suppose the other the other element of that is um, impacting the 2021 hosts, which is obviously yourselves as part of that as well. So it was um, the the timing of it was quite important, and and to be honest, um, as early as just prior to, to Easter, so sort of you know late March, early April, the the committee was sort of talking to me about we, we've got to call this off. You know, this is just getting ridiculous. And it was right at the height of COVID when, you know, everything really amplified and was escalating. And we sort of said, look, let's just wait for a little bit because um, the only thing we know at the moment is that we, we know nothing. It's it's so uncertain at the moment and things are changing so rapidly that we really are in a position here where we know nothing and we need to just give it a little bit of time just to see how things either stabilise or don't and then engage with some of our other stakeholders in terms of making an informed decision, you know, later on. And that's what we did. And we consulted with, with others and certainly our promoter, to be honest, was quite keen to, to wait a little bit longer, but uh, we, we looked at it ourselves. Um, and to be honest, it was a, 
it was an IP Queensland decision in the end. We we pulled the, the trigger on that, and um, um, I must I must admit though that was certainly after we'd shored up our position uh, to engage the the IP board and make sure that we had a a 2021 position um, secured. And uh, I guess I've got to take the opportunity to thanking um, the board and and certainly New South Wales in particular being the 2021 hosts of being appreciative of the circumstances and um, you know working with us in terms of um, shoring up that option um, for a 2021 postponement before we made the call. So that was really important for us. Yeah, for sure. Sounds. I mean, that's entirely fair. Otherwise, Queensland would lose, you know, an entire nationals round. I guess through the through the statewide cycle, which would be unfair. <laughs> you guys had nothing to do with this pandemic, but but Drew, that all sounds entirely reasonable. I mean, and again, I think in hindsight, you you can see that the decision was the right one, made at the right time, and and like Mick, I I have to applaud IP Queensland for 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 being gutsy and coming out with that decision and making it clear. I mean, I've you know. I had accommodation booked and everything because I was, like everybody, I guess, excited about the prospect of the 2020 Nationals at Morgan Park when it was first announced and the, and the flashy videos and having, um, you know, some excitement generated by the media that the committee put out, which was really, really great. How and, good was having the three fastest guys do a yeah. track walk? That was awesome. As part from how much we love Zach, you know, to get... The other two guys in there who are, you know, IP stalwarts and legends. So, yeah, that, well done, Drew, whoever came up with that idea and well done to the guys for putting their time in to get on the video. Because I watch it, I like studying, I usually study people's GoPro, you know, footages on YouTube to learn a track. But, indeed, yeah, yeah. You guys gave me all the answers. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, to be honest, full credit there goes to, to Lee Wallace. Um, who you guys know as an ex-New South yep. Welshman. But, um, in terms of a committee member, what a great asset that guy is. He's he's really stepped up our, our media presence and professionalism and is just coming up with um, great innovations to assist in promoting, you know, just IP Queensland, but the category in general. So those um, those videos were Lee's. Um, you know, he was the instigator of those and... Um, those guys took the effort to, to go up there on the weekend and and do that, and certainly all the other videos that we released as part of you know sort of promoting and delivering messaging regarding the nationals are, are Lee's initiative. So um, yeah, 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 excellent, yeah, pr- impressive stuff. And so yeah, well done, Lee. Credit where it's due. And but look again, I think the um, the entire process was was well handled and you know we were excited not just myself but a number of others i've spoken to we booked accommodation but you know due to the early decisive decision that was made by the by by ip queensland we were able to you know get our refunds and i guess walk away especially with the the covid stuff and and that all you know made it a very low stress experience frustrating obviously we all would all love to race but i think it's pretty clear now that there's no possible way that that meeting would ever really have been in a position to proceed in October, given what's happening right now. So, um, yeah, good, good call, I think, by IP Queensland and, and well done. So, yeah, good outcome. Well, not a good outcome, but the right outcome, I think. I think it is a good outcome because I don't think anyone's upset. You know, like oh, this no, disappointment yeah, because they were looking forward to it. But Glowing Thanks very much, guys. Nice, nice words. Thank you. 
So, yeah, so well done, Drew, and well done to the IP Queensland Committee. Thank you uh, for uh, being up front with us as a community, and thank you for taking a tough decision because uh, that can't have been easy, but uh, it was the right decision, so well done. So, Drew, thanks for telling us about, I guess, the reasoning behind why IP Queensland took the decision it took and why it took it when it took it. What about 2021? So, I guess right now, there's nothing certain even about 2021 right now. One would hope that we'll have this under control and that life will be returning to something approaching normal next year. Uh, under those circumstances, I guess, how does IP Queensland intend to approach uh, planning for the 2021 Nationals now? Well, effectively, it's um, as part of the cancellation, obviously, we secured uh, running the event in 2021 with the board in New South Wales. So once that was ticked, the next box was to ensure that we, we secured the circuit again. And we did that, so we've secured um, tentatively, as you know, as best these circuits can plan, but the same weekend in October 2021, um, so everything is basically the same, we just roll forward a year. Um, so at this stage, no change. The intent is that it will be run in the October long weekend, exactly the same as 2020. Um, we are simply going to pick up where we left off and just roll out the plan that we had in place, um, you know, pending any, uh, you know, changes and I guess we're right in the, the middle of that at the moment but uh, you know hopefully we're on top of all that by then and um, we can we can certainly uh, just roll out our plan um, you know to be honest we were on the cusp of a um, of an EOI just as COVID hit everyone was about to receive a uh, an EOI in very early April and so that's that's probably the point that we'll pick up again I guess um, nothing else will change obviously we'll talk to to promoters and um, certainly support categories and those sorts of things. But um, the plan is same promoter, they're keen to assist again. And um, so, yeah, we'll just pick it up and roll on a year, really. Um, that's that's the intention. Great. So long weekend in October 2021. People penciling into their diaries can take note. Why do we need an EOI? It's an interesting thing, um, Mick. I guess personally um, I don't like them um, in, in a sense in that, the, the idea in running these events is about um, surety and, and understanding uh, as best you can um, how, how many people you're going to get because everything hinges on that number, the number of entries. And it's a double-edged sword. Whether you get too little or too many, it can influence you significantly both ways. So it's about creating certainty. Um, so typically when people send out an EOI with no commitment attached to it, um, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really um, offer a lot of certainty. And I think yep. people that have organised nationals historically um, have recognised that. You know, certainly um, Tail and Bend were inundated and ended up having quite a lot of people drop out, which, you know, put those guys at, at some sort of risk. And you know, we've seen it before, even with Philip Island and those sorts of things. So um, we, our intention was to actually have one with a slight commitment involved. And that was... Uh, uh, a monetary uh, deposit, a non-refundable deposit. So it's basically trying to, I suppose, weed out the people that are just going to throw in a, an entry and probably not going to turn up. You know, it's it's to make sure we're getting the people that are that are committed and are going to turn up. And um, yeah, so, so that was would, our intention. So because there are lots of negative effects of an EOI, in my opinion, and I guess it's for your stakeholders and marketing and you know everything. Why wouldn't you just go off run rate? 
of the previous nationals that you've had and the last few years. Now, obviously, Tassie couldn't do that because there's much more, but the eastern, our, our Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland should be able to get a pretty accurate prediction of 100 entries. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And, and, and clearly we do consider that. And we got 99 entries last time. So, you know, to be honest, we're sort of conservatively going, well, you know, we need about 80. But um, in doing so, you also have to consider the track density. And, um, you know, um, you need to basically account for double the track density. And if you get more entries than that, you're in trouble. You need to do something with your format. So we've got two or three contingencies um, in terms of, um, I guess, the format of the event without giving too much away. But um, it's basically that EOI gives you the information to be able to pull the trigger on which contingency plan you can do invoke. Yep. And, you know, for example, it could be as much as, um, again, I'm sort of giving the, the game away here, but extreme options are introducing a um, an ENF group. Um other options are splitting unders out completely. Um, all those sorts of things. Um, that you They're all being tabled sure and you know. thought about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really just to give you guidance on pulling those those levers with those contingency plans. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sucks that the modern world, everyone expects uh, someone to have a plan for what they want to do. You know, I'm <laughs> old school with, you know, just like you've got a month before the race to enter and then get your entry in and first in best dress because you're ready to go, in you go. And there's 100 spots, get in. Well, yeah. That's the way I think of it. But I, I guess the only thing, Mick, might be, and just thinking about it from a promoter standpoint, I guess you're going to want to have some idea how many people are coming. I take your idea. point. So I, well, so yeah, I'll like take your point. that it's inflation because all you're doing is you're just going, hey, we're going to get 150 entries like the Ben did because everyone wanted to go to the band. And then when time came to crunch because of whatever reasons, there wasn't as many people that went. So then you've got the stress of trying to deal with your stakeholders that, you know, you didn't yeah. get the entries. And we, like, I don't, I don't know. I, just from working in big companies and having to, to give uh, revenue predictions and, you know, and then actually explain yourself, you know, like inflating numbers from an EOI. And I'm not saying that any club is inflating them on purpose. I'm just saying naturally you will get some inflation to numbers with an EOI. And then the opposite way, as Drew mentioned, is you put some monetary value against an EOI, you'll probably get deflation because people don't want to commit so far out. They want to wait to see what happens. You know, like if there's people on the fence or might be like myself that doesn't know if the car's going to be ready yet, like there's or busy for work and can't get time off work so i just feel that an eoy process creates as many problems as it solves so why have it you know, like that's i'm wrong many yeah, times. it depends and um it also depends on the um the structure that the club has in place in terms of the promotion if you're not taking any risk then you know um over inflating the numbers it doesn't influence you but you know, and certainly in our case, um, we were, and I won't sort of elaborate into that or get into that, but, yeah, certainly there was risk um, from that point of view involved for us. So, yeah, it's more about um, protecting IP Queensland um, in that regard as well. Yeah, that's so, fair enough. That's very fair enough. It, it, it's not as, like, I would assume that apart from Tasmania, WA and NT, 
that every other state's going to get a fairly good nationals. Like there's going to be at least 50 entries, right? So at least 50, closer to 100. So, you know, I just... Yeah, I, I don't I, know. Like, right, I hear what you're saying, Mick. I, I guess there's there's a couple of ways to look at this, right? Firstly, again, my thoughts would be if you're going to be planning a nationals, and clearly it would help to have some clue how many people might be showing up for the nationals, how many people might be showing up in unders and overs, and that obviously would be a helpful thing to know for things like, for example, planning Correct. schedulers and everything else, right? Correct. So you've got a number of data points, I guess, and you're saying perhaps the more accurate data points would be to look at historical data of nationals attendance, in particular if you're running an East Coast Nationals. Take your point. That's probably true. But at the same time, that's not necessarily a reason to ignore or potentially discard other options in terms of presenting other data points. In particular, I might say, at a time where you're looking at a nationals running a nationals um, under unusual circumstances. And, you know, if that would be this year with, you know, serious uncertainty as to whether or not borders would even be opened, or next year, hopefully in the wake of a pandemic, where, okay, borders hopefully will be open and hopefully health considerations will be less of an issue, but what you may still have are certain IP competitors struggling with the aftermath financially or personally or even from a health standpoint of, of this. Uh, and, and, and it might be helpful from that perspective to say, okay, where we know, for example, that if under normal circumstances we were to put out an EOI and get 120 people saying yes, that we you know, could expect 20%, 20% of those people not show up and maybe 5% who haven't put their name down say, yes, they will come. And so, that, you know, maybe maybe they're, you know, having another data point might be helpful, especially where you're dealing with, with other stakeholders, I think. And, you know, you pointed that out earlier, the importance of being, you know, clear with those stakeholders and making sure that the communication's there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of the fact that... I don't think the, you are um, either. Yeah, the, it's just... It's just, yeah, I don't know. So and I agree with your view, but so for Drew, let's say you do put the EOI out and, you know, there's a minimum deposit. Is that a thrown away deposit? If you can't oh, look, Not necessarily, no. So no, then the just a... uncertainty of even you guys, are you keeping your deposit? Do people take it seriously? Like it's, this isn't criticism. This is the way that, you know, I'm just putting in a thought process because I like to lean out as much activities as possible you know with when i organize things so it, for me it just feels like you are creating far more work for yourself with an eoy yeah. process and not getting accurate enough data out of it so that's why yeah. i brought it up as a point no look you're, you're both right um i suppose the other thing i should mention um that might help as well is that the intention is that the the eoi in response to that will create seeding um, for ultimately the entries as well. So such that in the event that you are oversubscribed, um, you have a seeding process whereby um, people that committed to the EOI, you know, are the first in, first served eventually. So it's it's addressing that. Um, so if you've got a threshold of 80, and because that's what you've planned with the track and that's what you have to for the weekend, then that works, right? Because if you get 95, then 15 who didn't EOI would miss out. Is that what you saying with the seeding thing yeah you can't you can use it for that purpose um which yeah was is one of the underlying intents um i suppose the other one is some of the other stuff that you have to organize 
side of uh, the track as well. So all of the social functions and uh, the planning for all of that stuff as well and making sure that you've, A, you've catered for enough people and all those things as well. And get, I just get that certainty on those things because you have to commit to those things um, reasonably early in the piece as well. It's like, well, is this venue big enough? Yeah, kind um, of like planning a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wedding yeah, and a race so, meeting all in one. Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 pros and cons of both, and I, I agree with Mick in that I've I've tend to lean the same way, and in my circumstances, some of you are always just a waste of time because our actuality when it pans out is very different. So yeah. we've we've tried to intervene somewhere in between and make it a little bit fair income where you need to get your wallet out to um to post an EOI and not just click yes on an email or, you know, so just trying to bridge that gap a little bit more and, again, just try and create a little bit more certainty so we can we can make informed decisions with all the other elements associated with running the, the overall event. So Interesting. What about, so, a, what about a halfway point of, say, three months out? That's just the standard. So then every – and that you have to enter – three months and you've two months and you know that whole month of the third month if you know what i'm saying you've got to enter for the race that's enough to prep and get ready for the for the entrance would that work if it was pre-known for every single state that they've got to organize until like two or three months out or fourth months and it finishes on the third month before you know so there's still three months to organize everything i don't know i just feel that there could be some sort of standard that all the states know that they have to, you know, as a guideline to when they're going to get entries. And then it's not false data. It's actually real entries. And then there's, you know, enough time to finalise, was it 50 people or was it 80 or was it 150 for catering? And, you know, I think you get what I'm trying to say. Like, is that is that even a possibility in your mind, Drew? And the reason why I'm asking this is because rarely we've had you know, guests on that are that closely involved as you are international. So I'm, I'm keen to know. Look, I think it has merit, but you also need to look at, as an example, lead time of, of components and stuff as well. It's like, well, is three months enough? Well, I've got to order shirts and the lead time for that could be six months. So I need that data a little bit earlier than, than sort of yeah, three exactly. months out. Otherwise, I'll do my ass. So, yep. um, you know, uh, the earlier the better, but... Take your point. Um, it needs to be fed income, and you, you need to try and get as close to possible as you know um, genuine real McCoy entries um, at the appropriate time for whatever circumstances um, and, and the environment in which the club that's promoting it has put themselves in. I guess. Yeah. What about six months? Because you know Bathurst was six months out. You had to commit fully, pay everything. And be prepared, ready for Bathurst. Now, this is something we need to talk about later. And I think you've got it on the list there, Chris. You know, does this do events like that are they detrimental to IP because of the massive lead times and people are too scared to go break the car in between? They've paid all that money. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Like, I just feel that there's a happy medium all the time. I think that if you get enough data from the positives and negatives from an EOI to you know, the positive and negatives of only having entries and then somewhere in between you would find a happy spot that there's enough time to organise the event and and get everything ready in time and please all the stakeholders with lead times and everything. 
but then also have a real number of entries that that you know is a solid figure and you might get dropouts still you know that's bad luck and life circumstance changes and all that but i don't know i just feel that the last few years we've had eois and i can tell you that a couple of them so the 2016 nationals at phillip island i didn't even put one in thinking that you know i couldn't commit i didn't know enough yet that was too far out it would it just felt like there was too many people because phillip island are quite was strict with how much track time they're going to get they didn't know how many heats and like they had a set i think it was 100 overs and 50 unders or something eois and they breached that you know but then they didn't get that many entries and maybe they would have got my entry if you know the eoy process wasn't so strict so that's why i'm personally one example of why i don't think it's the best solution to the nationals i think one thing it does demonstrate though is the challenges faced by committees when they're looking at planning nationals and I, I don't think I've I recall any time in recent memory you know committee members coming out at the end of a nationals going well that all went really smoothly and was a really easy that process was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember you know I, you know I remember clearly um, an interview with Gary McKay after that 2016 nationals where he was he looked completely exhausted and spent and it wasn't just because he'd raced all weekend it was because of everything that had gone into planning that nationals by the Victorian committee and that's just one example I can point to on account of the fact that I, I saw the interview afterwards I know that um, you know the South Australian committee after after Tail and Ben were equally exhausted and I'm sure that you know, it was a similar situation in Tasmania last year and I'm sure every nationals presents massive problems to committees and to all the volunteers who put their effort into planning it so yeah sorry just just the point I wanted to make is Mick Mick was right in the use of the word data there as well and at the end of the day the in my personal opinion, the idea here is to sort of share that. So basically, once you've run internationals, um, you should conduct a lessons learned style exercise and share that with God, the other states. You must states. be a project um, manager. We talk yeah, like the wanna, same language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, just basically um, yeah, ignoring the PM element of it, basically just share. I'm, a, I'm an advocate of sharing um, with, with, the other, with the other states in general so that they don't have to you know, repeat the same mistakes that we've made a few times over, you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah, generally, Mick, we will eventually, you know, narrow down onto the right format, provided we continue to share and, um, you know, pr- you know, be open with the challenges we faced and, and share those in an open manner. And, you know, the delegates um, and, and that board is the right opportunity for us to do those sorts of things. Um, we'll all continue to learn. Nationals 2021. Looking forward to it, Drew. Whatever happens, whenever the EOI comes out, you'll be getting one from me. Um, hopefully one from Mick too, uh, if you yeah. listen to our previous episode. Previous Maybe episode. two. Are you going to yeah. run under Zenovers, Mick? Oh, if they separate it, you know, and Dad pays for one of them, I'll do the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. I don't think so, you're allowed to. Come on. Uh, are you it's not like to? karting, man, when you can cross-enter across different classes. I don't think they let you in. Sup regs? If it was if it was completely separate heats and final like it was at Phillip Island, you might get away with it. But I can understand, yeah, boy, it'd be a big, uh, a big weekend. But anyways, you know, it'd be nice to have that problem. <laughs> um, thanks, Drew. 
so look, moving on, uh, just quickly um, going over the upcoming dates. So uh, again, as we mentioned recently in our last episode, many states are starting to reopen. Still no dates for Victoria for obvious reasons. Uh, we, f- we are recording this on the 15th of July and uh, um, Victoria is unfortunately locked down at the moment. So uh, our uh, thoughts are with our Victorian friends uh, as they go through this very challenging time and hopefully we can all get through this. Sydney Motorsport Park, so the next round for New South Wales at um, Sydney Motorsport Park on the 1st and 2nd of August. Same weekend for South Australia at Malala. I will be doing my best to get out there, subject to social distancing restrictions uh, and having a sticky beak. Next round after that will be West Australia's next round at Barbagallo on the 16th of August. Uh, We've then got Tasmania on the 23rd of August and Queensland, 28th and 29th of August. So that, that'll that be exciting, Drew. Hopefully you get good turnout for that one. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, did, I, I, I forgot about the Northern Territory round, yes. Uh, so there is a round actually this coming weekend uh, in Hidden Valley, uh, a Shannon's Point score round, which includes uh, an improved production uh, entry list. So entries only close on the 16th of July, so depending on how quickly I edit this and get it up... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll have it up that quickly, but uh, hopefully that round goes well and um, hopefully it's well supported by Northern Territory IP members. So get them out there. Look, Drew, thanks again to you. Thanks to you, Mick, as well. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to all the volunteers who make what we do possible and who support the category. And thank you to you, the racers, who are listening. Make sure you keep wrenching on your cars. This COVID break uh, is starting to ease in part, most parts of the country. So... Racing's resuming. No excuses. Get your cars on track. Subscribe for future episodes, and thanks again for listening. Take care. Thanks, Mick. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Drew, and thanks, everyone else. Yeah, thank you to you, Drew, and, uh, yeah, take care.